Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the weekend here at New Beginnings. Um, I just love the Word of God, obviously, but I, I love it even more when I'm studying a topic and the Holy Spirit will show me something in addition to that which I've been researching it, and it just takes a whole life of itself on. And that's pretty much what we have this weekend. I want to talk to you about four vital components of the Christian life, and they are vital. Uh, the life of the Christian doesn't only involve preparation for eternity. Sometimes we just assume that all we're doing here on earth is just a waiting room, just getting ready for eternity and determining where we're going to spend our eternity. But just as important as preparing for an eternity, it involves being equipped for life here on earth. We understand that Jesus placed emphasis on being prepared for spiritually for eternity. He told Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you, you must be born again. We believe that. We understand that. But equipping us for the kingdom of God doesn't stop there. We also must prepare for life here on earth. So one might be tempted to say, well, how could life here on earth be as important as life in eternity? Uh, it might be more important in the eyes of God because in eternity, we don't get to impact other people's lives. I don't know if you've thought about that. I'm recently thinking about that. When we're in eternity, when we step into the presence of God and we're in that place, we're not impacting each other's lives. Whatever impact we were going to make, it's made. It's been done. This, this is as far as it's going to go, as far as we're concerned in impacting other people's lives. But here on earth, that is the emphasis. The emphasis is how are we living on earth and how are we impacting one another? Because you're making an impact. I'm making an impact. Whether it's a good impact or a bad impact, we're making an impact. We're influencing people's lives. And so um, I want us to consider these things as we move forward in this teaching. <clears throat> before, he ascended, before he ascended into heaven, Jesus told the disciples to wait for the promise of the Spirit, okay? Now, many people think, well, you're talking about the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit's going to equip me for heaven. No, the blood of Jesus equips me for heaven. The Holy Spirit equips me for life here on earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus speaking, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We understand what this is talking about. This is talking about power from the Holy Spirit for, for where? For, for what part of our lives? For what facet of our being? Uh, the Holy Spirit's presence in my life is my guarantee, is, my de is the deposit from God that I'm going to step into eternity and be in his presence, whether it's in heaven or whether it's on the restored earth thousands of years from now, okay? But the Holy Spirit prepares me for here. However, we see that in Acts chapter 2, we attribute that importance of the fulfillment of, of Jesus' promise of coming the Holy Spirit, that we should experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's why. Let, let, me just, let me just rephrase that whole thing. In Acts chapter 2, we attribute that importance of that experience, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon us, okay? We still, we still believe, we still uh, we conduct our lives in such a way we think that this is just another level of spirituality. In other words, we're getting closer to God because I have the Holy Spirit on me, not just the Holy Spirit in me. However, the most important detail that we've got to concentrate on is that, yes, it's extremely important for us to have the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Why? Because it's the doorway into the supernatural power of God. 
Okay. Yeah, I know. Because when the Holy Spirit comes on me, you know, then I'm more loving. No, you're more loving because you're tapping into the love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in your life. The gifts of the Spirit, which we we step into through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is our ability to give evidence that the Holy Spirit is very much active in our lives and through our lives. That's even more importantly. We, we see God's concern that we be equipped to live a life here on earth that will testify to the presence, his presence in our lives and that will be a life that is balanced. In other words, when you have a balance in your life, when you're loving well, when you're forgiving well, when you're also able to manifest, if I could say it this way, when you're also able to manifest, when you have the faith that when you lay hands on the sick, they're going to recover because Jesus said so. When you have a confidence that the Holy Spirit will show you things to come, will open up your eyes even into the realm of the Spirit, will show you things about your family, your friends, so that you can pray for them, so that you can be available for them. That is living a well-balanced life. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I want to bring us to. This teaching that I'm bringing this weekend is a result of the in-depth study that we did for, for about four weeks or three weeks on the subject of the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed, that very basic statement of faith where thousands and thousands of churches all over the world, whenever they get together on a regular basis, those that have more of a liturgical style service will come together and recite this Apostles' Creed, stating everything that we believe according to what the Bible says. And so it's important to do that. But while I was studying for that, I came across this verse of Scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves talking about the disciples in the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That gives us four components that are vital to the life of the Christian. Teaching is number one, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And that's what we're going to be talking about this weekend. Verse 43 Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Because when you have a balanced life, People start looking to you. They start, they're starting being attracted to your lifestyle. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Jesus said, I'll build my church. When we lived well-balanced lives, when we, when we live lives that are balanced between teaching, but also fellowship and coming together and, and, and sharing life together and praying for one another, that is attractive the world that does not know Jesus Christ is looking for the genuine. They are hungering for the genuine. They're not going to tell you, but they're watching you. They're watching to see if you have any balance in your life. They're watching to see if, if you are able to actually manifest. And will they see evidence of this Jesus in your life? Will they see evidence of the Holy Spirit in control of your life? A well-balanced life will be the best evidence that Jesus is present in our lives. I want you to hold on to that. Notice this in the verses we just read. 
Notice how the everyday lives of believers got the attention of the community. The community at large, the community in Jerusalem, they witnessed miracles being performed by the common ordinary believers, not just Jesus. They saw them caring for each other. They saw them sharing everything that they had, eating together in unity and peace. And so we see that the life, in the, that life in the very beginning of the church included teaching, fellowship, sharing meals and communion, and praying together. Number one was teaching. And again, we spent quite a bit of time on teaching on the Apostles' Creed. We covered that extensively. And if you hadn't gotten that information yet or haven't been exposed to that teaching, please go on our website. Just go on to the YouTube channel and you can get every one of those teachings and you can listen to them and watch them. We learned that, that the apostles and the early church fathers recognized the need for basic statement of faith, declaring the foundational beliefs of Christianity. We also recognize the need to study the word of God in order to live the abundant life that Jesus promised us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God. I want you to see that picture, just the word of God just coming right from the heart of God, him breathing it, inspiring and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness. You know that we need to be, we need to be trained in righteousness? That we don't just automatically learn. We don't just automatically know what righteousness is. We need to actually be trained in it. And the word of God will do that. So let me start again. All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Verse 17, here's the end result of verse 16. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There's life balance. There's that that life force that comes from the Christian who's walking in all of these components, all of these facets being active in their life. Second Timothy chapter five, excuse me, chapter two, verse 15. I'm going to read this from the King James Version. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, you can prove anything you want if you take the Bible out of context. You can prove the most preposterous, the most ridiculous theories if you just pick and choose certain scriptures and put them together. But the person who has subjected, subjected themselves and submitted themselves to good teaching is going to be equipped for every good work. They'll be able to rightly divide. In other words, to, to correctly discern, to correctly understand, to correctly grasp what the Word of God is saying. Now, Although throughout the centuries, societies have changed, cultures, technologies have changed over the years, but God's character remains the same. God's universal truths do not alter. A mere 2,000 years later, God's word is as relevant to us today as it has ever been. Second Peter chapter 1. I hope you're just writing some of these scripture addresses down so you can look them up for yourself. Why? Because I'm teaching right now. And that's one of the components. It's 25% of the life of the Christian, according to that scripture in, second, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Those four components, okay? Listen to what Peter wrote. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. What does that indicate? Teaching. How do you get knowledge? You're taught. You receive information. Grace that empowerment that comes from God to be able to do what's not natural for us, and peace, that shalom, that completeness, that wholeness that makes us feel content, is multiplied to us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. 
verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, here it is again, through the knowledge of him. Teaching is extremely important. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through the exceedingly great and precious promises, that we may be able to be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust or through our own ungodly desires. So, so this is telling us here that, that if we want to experience grace, if we want to experience peace, and we want to have that multiplied in our lives, I want it multiplied. I need a whole lot more grace. I need a whole lot more peace now in this stage of life than I needed years ago. The, as you continue to live on this earth, you realize I need more grace. I need more shalom, more completeness. So that's going to come through the knowledge of him. Where do I find that knowledge? In the word of God. All this comes through the teaching of the word. The more we learn, the more we experience God's great grace and his peace. Teaching equals learning. So we see this. It's important. Teaching is an extremely important component of who we are as Christians. We need to know what, we, what the Bible says that we should believe. We need to know, how do I conduct myself? You know, most of the New Testament writings are how to live life on this planet after you got born again. And so it's extremely important for us to read those things. They're not instruction for us not to go to hell. The epistles, the letters to the church are instruction of how you and I are to live on this earth so that we conduct ourselves in such a way that we attract the attention of those who do not know Christ yet. Amen. Number two is fellowship. Or we could say companionship. Friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. Some of the synonyms are companionship, companionability, sociability, sociability, Comradeship, fraternization. It's a group of people meeting to pursue a shared interest or aim. Now, we have the tendency to think that this facet of Christian life is secondary and not as important. Yet, if the last year has taught us anything, it has taught us the significance of human companionship and the danger of isolation. Some people may have grown very comfortable with not coming in person to, to, to in-person services. But many others, unfortunately, have just grown lazy and allowed complacency, complacency to rule in their lives. And they're very content to watch something on TV, to watch a service on TV or some other device. To those people, I would say, that have gotten really complacent and gotten really used to, and why, you know, I could be comfortable and watch a service. Well, let me ask you, uh, go hug your TV or go hug your computer or whatever the device is that you're watching and let me know how much satisfaction you get out of hugging that, out of speaking to it, out of carrying on a conversation with it. It doesn't work because fellowship is a biblical principle and it's one of the things that gives us good balance in our lives. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Remember those four components. Teaching is first. Next one is fellowship. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let's hold on to what we claim we believe because our God is a faithful God. Verse 24, right in the same flow. And let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together 
as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. In my Bible translation, the word day is capitalized because it refers to the day of the Lord. Jesus is coming back soon. This present age that we're in is getting ready to wrap up soon. The Bible is telling us, 2,000 years ago, it told us, as we approach this day, don't stop assembling together. Don't stop gathering together. As if they knew that someday there would be a whole breed of Christians that would be content on a Sunday morning or sometime during the week to just sit in front of a computer screen, just absorbing knowledge, absorbing knowledge. And that's important. Teaching is important. Teaching is important. Teaching is important. However, fellowship is just as important. We're not to just keep stuffing ourselves with more information. We're supposed to have a circle of friends, a group of individuals, a network of believers that we can both pour out into and that they can pour into us. Listen listen to the Passion Translation, verse 25 of Hebrews 10. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Wow, what a word for today. As some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and to urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. That new day is dawning. The new season of the kingdom of God, this new Um, time period that we're looking towards right now that is coming to us very soon. And every sign, every indication is there. We see it with our own eyes. He's saying, don't stop meeting together. In fact, you should be meeting together even more, encouraging one another, urging each other on as that day draws near. So what are some of the practical ways of fostering and sponsoring fellowship? That camaraderie, that togetherness, that brotherhood, that sisterhood, that, that, that sense of belonging. Number three component in the life of a well-balanced Christian is breaking bread, which goes together with fellowship. It's kind of an outflow. It's the next facet of Christian life, and it's a natural result of having a heart that's willing to share life together. God's two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others. To love everyone equally is a true sign of our love for God and our desire to live Christ-like. Hospitality is known as entertaining, welcoming guests or visitors. It is a genuine way to show love for others. Jesus tells us whatever we do for the least of people, we're doing for him. When we show hospitality, when we're willing to open our life up, when we're willing to share what we have, We're showing that Jesus lives in us. We're showing that it's his life through us that is is causing us to want to open our hearts to people. Enjoying a meal or even just a cup of coffee together can be very rewarding. It allows us to build new relationships as well as strengthening existing relationships. And it can be a very spiritual experience, especially when the topic of conversation is Jesus, the word of God, There's something that happens. There's an anointing that comes. There's a very presence of the Holy Spirit that you sense when when believers sit around, and it doesn't have to be anything uh, extravagant, a cup of coffee, a sandwich, even just 
whatever, sharing something together and, and start to talk about what God's been doing in your life and what, what God's been doing in my life and, and what you've seen maybe in the Word, something that the Holy Spirit showed you. That is a very spiritual experience. When I use the terminology spiritual experience, I'm saying that is a time when the Spirit of God rises up big in each and every one of us. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. Fervent, white hot, like those charcoals. When you start up a barbecue grill and, and you put those charcoals in there, first they're black, they look cold, they, they don't look like they're engaged, but all of a sudden, man, when that spark hits and those coals little by little start to turn white, man, that's the hottest. When, when you've got that entire barbecue filled with white hot, hot white coals. That's when you're going to get the best cooking results. And we're told here to love one another with that kind of a fervent, white hot love. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Then it goes on in verse 9. Very next verse says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Why? Being hospitable, opening up your life, opening up your house, uh, enjoying fellowship. If you don't force yourself to get into fellowship with people, how are you going to ever develop your love walk? If you're never around anyone that's going to challenge you, if you're never around, if you never put yourself in a position where you have to get out of your comfort zone, well, I don't like to open up my house. I'm a very private person. Well, change. Change because Jesus wants us to open up our homes. Jesus wants us to, to, uh, to open our hearts to people. He wants us to get out of our comfort zones. And maybe, maybe, maybe some of us need to just step out and say, okay, well, uh, maybe I don't live in the greatest house right now, but you know what? That's not what matters. What matters is the love that I show from my heart. It's important. In the early church, communion was part of a shared meal. It wasn't isolated into a religious ritual. It was more the part of a celebration among believers who gathered on a regular basis. And, and truthfully, our connect groups in this church should be sharing a meal at least once during their schedule. At least once in that time, whether it's six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, at least one point during that time, there should be a shared meal. Why? People have joined together. They have assembled themselves around a, a common topic. They're sharing their life. And that it's, there should be the next overflow should be, okay, let's have a meal together. Let's celebrate together. Let's share our hearts together. You bring what you like. I'll bring what I like. And we'll share each other. We'll share with each other. And especially now, especially now, as the warmer weather is coming, maybe you can host an outdoor event in the backyard, at the beach, at a park. Get creative. Believe God to show you creative ways to do this. Fellowship and breaking bread together are extremely important practices in the life of the Christian because it reminds us of who we have in common. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ who pulls us together. Through our relationship with him, we are drawn into relationship with one another. He is the base of our, he's the foundation of our relationship. He is the basis upon why we spend time together. It shouldn't be for our own self-interest. It shouldn't be because we're trying to promote a business or we're trying to promote ourselves. It should be, let's come together. Let's share a meal. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's just talk. Let's sit down and spend some time together because we are both founded on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as we keep him in the center and the focus of our gatherings, we will always have unity and unity brings the presence of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Psalm 133 from the Passion Translation. How truly wonderful and delightful it is to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It is as precious as the scented, the sacred scented oil 
flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard, running all the way down to the hem of the priestly robes. This harmony can be compared to the dew dripping from Mount Hermon. Now the people in ancient times understood what that meant much more than we do, which flows down upon the hills of Zion. Indeed, that is where Yahweh has decreed his blessing will be found and the promise of life forevermore. What is this saying here? There's a lot of religious language, a lot of fancy language, a lot of poetic language that say this. Hey, when brothers and sisters come together, when believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, when children of God come together, there's a unity. There's a presence of the Holy Spirit. And it starts with the head. You notice it came down from the head onto the beard of the high priest. It means it's coming directly from the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, that presence of God, that presence of the Holy Spirit just flows down on us. There's an anointing, the oil comes, and we are brought even further into unity. And then, and then, in that presence, can you imagine, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit operating that way. And then all of a sudden, somebody has a need. Hey, listen, can you pray for my child? Hey, can you pray for my husband, my wife? Can you pray for my friend? Can you pray for my family members? Can you pray for about my job? Can we pray about my marriage? In that presence, can you imagine how powerful those prayers are that go forth? And it comes from the heart of hospitality, from breaking bread together, from sharing life together. Unity brings anointing. It comes right down from the head of the church onto the body of the church when we're joined together and we share life. What a beautiful picture of the common ground that we share in Christ. When, when we come together, we experience the presence of Jesus. What did he say? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Fellowship and breaking of bread are so important. Teaching is important. Now, finally, prayer. It all brings us, it brings us together, all of these components, these facets, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, bring us together. It gives us evidence that we belong to him. And it's a great manifestation of Jesus to the world. And so prayer, when you have prayer in the midst of all that, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, we're praying for one another because not only are we commanded, but it's a privilege and an honor. Praying for others is not only a blessing for us to do, but is also a vital part of living the Christian life. We are commanded to carry one another's burdens. One way we can do this is to be praying for one another. A prayer that is on behalf of someone else is called intercessory prayer. You come in between the problem and that person. You come in between, maybe bringing that person that's lost. You are now the intercessor. You were standing almost in a place like Jesus. Didn't say you were Jesus, but taking that position of bringing somebody, one hand, put one hand on someone who's lost and the other hand on God and bringing the two parties together. That's what you're doing. That's why it's so important for us to pray for one another. It's not only a blessing for us, but it's something that's vital to our Christian life. Praying for others strengthens our bond with them. It also strengthens our relationship with the Lord. When, you, when you've been praying together with someone, it's like you've shared part of your heart with them. They share part of their heart with you. Now there's a bond that develops. There's a bond that comes and it connects you to that other person. Not so you can know every facet of their lives. Not so you can be a busybody and know all the problems in somebody else's household. That is not a godly motive. The godly motive is, hey, we're in this together now. We're going to pray. We're going to see results together. I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick, in, stick with you in this until we see results. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, here's that bond. Here's that bond, that connectivity. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. It lets loose great power. 
as it's working in, in each other's lives. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The biggest reason we pray for one another is that we are commanded to bear one another's burdens. We will all reach a point when we stagger and fall and we need one another. This is one of the purposes of the church. We are there for when our brother, our sister staggers and falls. We help carry the weight of their troubles We can do this in part by taking them to the throne of grace together. Together, let's go to the throne of grace. Come on. But my life is a mess. Come on, let's go to the throne of grace because you know what? There might be a time in the future where you may have to carry me into that throne of grace. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will give you creative ideas to show yourself hospitable. I pray that he'll give you, attract to you a circle of believers, which will bring value to your life and allow you to add value to their lives. And so that we can fulfill that, that law of love, that we can love one another in such a way as Jesus said, that the world will know that we belong to him. So God wants us to live a balanced life. And when I say balanced life, I'm not saying, well, we need to have so much compromise in this way. It's bad. No, balance between teaching, fellowship, Breaking of bread, sharing communion together, remembering all that Jesus Christ did for us in that communal meal and that, and that sense of, of togetherness and prayer. We need all four of these components that work in our lives for us to be balanced, for us to have a sense of contentment, fulfillment. There's no greater fulfillment to know that God used you. There's no greater fulfillment than knowing that God used you and maybe used a friendship, a relationship to impact somebody's life, to change their course and destiny for eternity. And that's great. And it's wonderful when we have the opportunity to befriend someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. But what's even more great is when a group of individuals who are already in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ are not scattering and, and not willing to share life. And, not when, and, and I don't like when a person is not transparent. We are called to be an open book before all men. We should be transparent. Now, I'm not saying go put all your stuff out on the street because you can't trust just anybody. But God will show you who you can trust. God will show you, he'll give you a peace in a relationship. And Let's be honest, relationships can become rocky sometimes. But in the rocky seasons of a relationship are the times when you develop your love walk and your ability to forgive the greatest. You cannot live this life isolated. You cannot live this life like like you don't need anybody. I'm good. I'm good by myself. I don't want to be bothered with anybody. I don't like to be around people. You are shortchanging the rest of us. We may need something that's in your life. We may need to know about the experience that you had. Whether it was a failure or success, we may need to know that so that we can learn from that. You need to know the things that have gone on in my life. Why? So Because we grow from one another. Iron sharpens iron. And our countenance grows brighter because we learn from each other's experiences. So please, if you've been the type of person that's been uh, grown content to be on your own, Please, it's not God's best for you. It's not God's best for us. We need you and you need us. And I pray that the Holy Spirit gives you creative ideas and creative ways and gives you the courage and the boldness to step out of your comfort zones, to open up your heart, to open up your life, to let people see Jesus in you. Share a meal. 
Share your personal time. Share your life experiences. You never know who you're going to encourage. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for those of you that have not experienced salvation yet, that you'll call out to God. He's as close as the mention of his name. He's never turned anyone away who's ever called upon that name. The Bible gives us that promise that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray that if you don't have that relationship yet with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll just reach out to him right now. Just just very, very childlike. Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I believe in who you are. I believe you died for me. I believe that you've been risen from the dead. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I pray that you will do that. For those of you that maybe have gotten distracted and gotten off course, you had a relationship with the Lord, your spirit is saved, but your life has gotten off track. I pray that you would just pray a simple prayer and just rededicate your life to the Lord. Just put it in your own words. Tell him how you desire to be back in close relationship with him. Tell him that you desire to have the fire of the Holy Spirit very much active in your life, and he will answer that prayer. I pray this has been a blessing to you. I pray that this will be a life-changing shift in the way that you've been conducting life lately. If you've gotten used to being isolated, if you've gotten used to being home alone, I pray that there's a discomfort that comes. People need you. You need people. I pray that you'll step out and do something you've never done before and open up your heart to people. God bless you. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. Amen.